Welcome to Bible Curious, where we explore the entire Bible from cover to cover, asking ourselves, what is the Holy Bible? What claims does it make about God? And what message might it have for us today? Whether you are faithful or unfaithful, believing, unbelieving, or just plain curious, this series is for you. I'm Arthur Milligan. And today, we will be reading Job, chapters 10 through 13, from the World English Bible. You can find our reading plan at biblecurious.org forward slash plan. The Book of Job, chapter 10. Introduction. Last chapter, Job complained that it wasn't fair for God, who is not human, to judge man who is. Why have a relationship with God if it only condemns us to his judgment? For he is not a man as I am, that I should answer him, that we should come together in judgment. There is no umpire between us that might lay hand on us both. This chapter includes Job's plea to God. Chapter 10 My soul is weary of my life. I will give free course to my complaint. I will speak in the bitterness of my soul. I will tell God, do not condemn me. Show me why you contend with me. Is it good to you that you should oppress, that you should despise the work of your hands and smile on the counsel of the wicked? Do you have eyes of flesh? Or do you see as man sees? Are your days as the days of mortals, or your years as man's years, that you should inquire after my iniquity and search after my sin? Although you know that I am not wicked, there is no one who can deliver out of your hand. Your hands have framed me and fashioned me altogether, yet you destroy me. Remember, I beg you, that you have fashioned me as clay. Will you bring me into dust again? Haven't you poured me out like milk and curdled me like cheese? You have clothed me with skin and flesh and knit me together with bones and sinews? You have granted me life and loving kindness. Your visitation has preserved my spirit, yet you hid these things in your heart. I know that this is with you. If I sin, then you mark me. You will not acquit me from my iniquity. If I am wicked, woe to me. If I am righteous, I still will not lift up my head, being filled with disgrace and conscious of my affliction. If my head is held high, you hunt me like a lion. Again, you show yourself powerful to me. You renew your witnesses against me and increase your indignation on me. Changes and warfare are with me. Why then have you brought me out of the womb? I wish I had given up my spirit and no eye had seen me. I should have been as though I had not been. I should have been carried from the womb to the grave. Aren't my days few? Stop! Leave me alone, that I may find a little comfort before I go where I will not return from. 
to the land of darkness and of the shadow of death, the land dark as midnight of the shadow of death without any order where the light is as midnight. We can see that Job is beginning to recognize the presence of Yahweh in his friends because he is now addressing God directly while speaking to them. Verses 10 and 11 vividly describe Job's embryonic development beginning as milky seminal discharge. Haven't you poured me out like milk and curdled me like cheese? You have clothed me with skin and flesh and knit me together with bones and sinews. But Job sees this as a curse, not a blessing. I should have been as though I had not been. I should have been carried from the womb to the grave. Job then continues, Aren't my days few? Stop. Leave me alone, that I may find a little comfort before I go where I will not return from to the land of darkness and of the shadow of death. What good is having a relationship with God if all it does is bring us guilt and condemnation? The book of Job, chapter 11, Introduction Being away from God's direct presence, Job could be bold in prosecuting God, and God continues his defense, this time through the lips of Job's friend Zophar, whose speech is arrogant like a donkey's colt, but whose words ring with divine truth regardless. Again, God must promise Job that his trials will soon be over when Job finally puts aside his bitterness and reaches toward the Father in the innocence of his heart. In this chapter, Zophar rebukes Job. Chapter 11 Then Zophar the Naamathite answered, Shouldn't the multitude of words be answered? Should a man full of talk be justified? Should your boastings make men hold their peace? When you mock, will no man make you ashamed? For you say, my doctrine is pure. I am clean in your eyes. But oh, that God would speak and open his lips against you. That he would show you the secrets of wisdom. For true wisdom has two sides. Know therefore that God exacts of you less than your iniquity deserves. Can you fathom the mystery of God? Or can you probe the limits of the Almighty? They are high as heaven. What can you do? They are deeper than Sheol. What can you know? Its measure is longer than the earth and broader than the sea. If he passes by or confines or convenes a court, then who can oppose him? For he knows false men. He sees iniquity also, even though he doesn't consider it. An empty-headed man becomes wise when a man is born as a wild donkey's colt. If you set your heart aright... Stretch out your hands toward him. If iniquity is in your hand, put it far away. Don't let unrighteousness dwell in your tents. Surely then, you will lift up your face without spot. Yes, you will be steadfast and will not fear, for you will forget your misery. 
You'll remember it like waters that have passed away. Life will be clearer than the noonday. Though there is darkness, it will be as the morning. You will be secure because there is hope. Yes, you will search and will take your rest in safety. You will lie down and no one will make you afraid. Yes, many will court your favor. But the eyes of the wicked will fail. They will have no way to flee. Their hope will be the giving up of the spirit. Zophar revealed God's purpose when he said in verses 5 to 6, But oh, that God would speak and open his lips against you, that he would show you the secrets of wisdom, for true wisdom has two sides. Know therefore that God exacts of you less than your iniquity deserves. True wisdom does indeed have two sides. These two sides are A, the side of the true listener who receives it, that would be you. Not only Job, but you. And B, the side of the true speaker, which is not only Zophar, but God himself. Know therefore that God exacts of you less than your iniquity deserves. The Book of Job, Chapter 12 Introduction Job is not willing to receive God's mercy from the lips of his unrighteous friends. His pride compels him to continue accusing God when others see how God has treated Job, an innocent man. Won't they mock God in response? This chapter includes Job's response to Zophar. Chapter 12. Then Job answered, No doubt, but you are the people and wisdom will die with you. But I have understanding as well as you. I am not inferior to you. Yes, who doesn't know such things as these? I am like one who is a joke to his neighbor. I who called on God and he answered. The just, the blameless man, is a joke. In the thought of him who is at ease, there is contempt for misfortune. It is ready for them whose foot slips. The tents of robbers prosper. Those who provoke God are secure, who carry their God in their hands. But ask the animals now, and they will teach you. The birds of the sky, and they will tell you. Or speak to the earth, and it will teach you. The fish of the sea will declare to you. Who doesn't know that in all these, Yahweh's hand has done this? In whose hand is the life of every living thing and the breath of all mankind? Doesn't the ear try words even as the palate tastes its food? With aged man is wisdom, in length of days, understanding. With God is wisdom and might. He has counsel and understanding. Behold, he breaks down and it can't be built again. He imprisons a man and there can be no release. Behold, he withholds the waters and they dry up. Again, he sends them out and they overturn the earth. 
With him is strength and wisdom. The deceived and the deceiver are his. He leads counselors away, stripped. He makes judges fools. He loosens the bond of kings. He binds their waist with a belt. He leads priests away, stripped, and overthrows the mighty. He removes the speech of those who are trusted and takes away the understanding of the elders. He pours content on princes and loosens the belt of the strong. He uncovers deep things out of darkness and brings out to light the shadow of death. He increases the nations and he destroys them. He enlarges the nations and he leads them captive. He takes away understanding from the chiefs of the people of the earth and causes them to wander in a wilderness where there is no way. They grope in the dark without light. He makes them stagger like a drunken man. In this speech, we can hear hints that Job's life is not isolated from the rest of Scripture. Job says in verses 7 to 8, But ask the animals now, and they will teach you. The birds of the sky, and they will teach you. Or speak to the earth, and it will teach you. The fish of the sea will declare to you. This reminds us of the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter 2, where out of the ground Yahweh God formed every animal of the field and every bird of the sky and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. Whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. Job is so triggered by his friend's accusations that he accidentally admits his relationship with God is far more intimate than he lets on by invoking God's personal name, Yahweh, in verse 9. Who doesn't know that in all these Yahweh's hand has done this, in whose hand is the life of every living thing and the breath of all mankind? We are also reminded of the great flood in Job 12.15. Behold, he withholds the waters and they dry up. Again, he sends them out and they overturn the earth. Might Job be the next incarnation of Christ? The Book of Job, Chapter 13, Introduction Job doesn't believe his friends' promises of redemption, accusing them of speaking purely from their imaginations, which Job calls partiality. Don't be so quick to judge others without sufficient evidence. If God can punish Job so severely for crimes which only God can name, imagine what will happen when God judges you. In this chapter, Job reproves his friends. Chapter 13 Behold, my eye has seen all this, my ear has heard and understood it. What you know, I know also I am not inferior to you. Surely I would speak to the Almighty. I desire to reason with God. But you are forgers of lies. You are all physicians of no value. Oh, that you would be completely silent. Then you would be wise. Hear now my reasoning. Listen 
to the pleadings of my lips. Will you speak unrighteously for God and talk deceitfully for him? Will you show partiality to him? Will you contend for God? Is it good that he should search you out? Or as one deceives a man, will you deceive him? He will surely reprove you if you secretly show partiality. Won't his majesty make you afraid and his dread fall on you? Your memorable sayings are proverbs of ashes. Your defenses are defenses of clay. Be silent. Leave me alone that I may speak. Let come on me what will. Why should I take my flesh in my teeth and put my life in my hand? Behold, he will kill me. I have no hope. Nevertheless, I will maintain my ways before him. This also will be my salvation, that a godless man will not come before him. Listen carefully to my speech. Let my declaration be in your ears. See now. I have set my cause in order. I know that I am righteous. Who is he who will contend with me? For then I would hold my peace and give up the spirit. Only don't do two things to me. Then I will not hide myself from your face. Withdraw your hand far from me and don't let your terror make me afraid. Then call and I will answer or let me speak and you answer me. How many are my iniquities and sins? Make me know my disobedience and my sin. Why do you hide your face and consider me your enemy? Will you harass a driven leaf? Will you pursue the dry stubble? For you write bitter things against me and make me inherit the iniquities of my youth. You also put my feet in the stocks and mark all my paths. You set a bound to the soles of my feet, though I am decaying like a rotten thing, like a garment that is moth-eaten. Job makes a very clever argument against God. Rather than seeking to find wisdom in his own suffering, he accuses God of inflicting a punishment which did not match his crime. Job is especially offended that his peers are interpreting his condition as proof that Job acted unrighteously on earth and feels compelled to defend himself before them. See now, I have set my cause in order. I know that I am righteous. This statement seems to echo how God praised Job before the divine council. Have you considered my servant Job? For there is none like him in the earth, a blameless and an upright man who fears God and turns away from evil. When Satan stood before God, he was intimidated by God's greatness, speaking foolishly out of his own fear and feelings of inadequacy. The same thing happened in the Garden of Eden when God confronted Adam and Eve in their nakedness, and Adam blamed God for his own bad decisions. The primary problem in our relationship with God is this lopsided imbalance of power. Our fear pushes us away from God and towards sin. What can draw us back again? Let us pray. Dear God, how easy it is 
for us to make a complete mess of our lives. Even when we try to do the right thing, we still sin out of ignorance. How grateful we are that this problem is solved. Please forgive me my sins. Forgive us our sins. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, we pray. Thank you for listening. If you've satisfied any of your Bible curiosity, please rate this series. If you have feedback, write a review. And if you are still curious for more, please subscribe so that we can send you timely updates. And join us for our next episode where we will be reading Job chapters 14 to 16. If a man dies, shall he live again? Spoiler alert. Maybe. This is Arthur Milliken saying good night and God bless.